0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Hitchcock Happy Hour. I'm Sarah Shaw. And I'm Lydia Jordan. And this week we are covering <laughs> none other than the 1978 classic Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Oh my god, what a film. I, I, it, I watched this and then I was like trying to put into words how I felt about it. I mean, pure joy is how I feel about this movie, but I'm like, I have never seen anything like this movie before in my life. It is truly one in a million. Um, I just am excited about this spooky season journey that we're on. It is chaotic. It is unhinged. I don't know how else to describe it. It's very unhinged. And yeah, this movie is like... Art house comedy, I guess is the best way to describe it, but like satire as well. (laughs) It's it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, the levels, the layers of this film, like an onion, we will peel them back this episode and reveal to you. Or like a tomato. (laughs) (laughs) Like a tomato, we we will peel off. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God, I can't. Um, well, a quick disclaimer, guys, um, I am clearly sick, um, I'm not quite at, like, the Phoebe Buffet sexy (laughs) raspy phase of this illness, I still sound, frankly, unwell, but I am feeling okay, I just sound disgusting, so apologies in advance, but we were so excited to put this episode out that we just couldn't wait, (laughs) and I, because I knew Lydia was sick, I got my booster shot to be in support of her and also feel like shit, so... (laughs) very I appreciate excited. your solidarity you're welcome <laughs> um i'm very excited to talk about this movie so shall we just jump into it yeah we were gonna have obviously a bloody mary but a given bloody that mary. neither of us are feeling well today we are no we are not drinking i have some mint tea on standby <laughs> but sarah is coming to visit me this weekend so we will absolutely have a bloody mary together <laughs> we will and we will post about just, it just uh not today not so today. look forward to that on our tiktok yeah look forward to lydia and i having a reunion on our social media um because we know you really care about the fact that we don't live near each other (laughs) um yeah i i'm so excited to see you anyways um anyway (laughs) we'll jump in i think this should be like a pretty quick episode um for a very bizarre film so we'll go ahead and jump on into it attack of the killer tomatoes is a 1978 american parody film I mean, it's not just parody, though. There are so many things that this film covers. It is just incredible. It's art house comedy. I mean, it's so neat. Like, I will say the disclaimer for this movie is that, like, if this is not your sense of humor, this movie will be very boring for you. (laughs) It will both be very boring and just, you'll be like, why? You, why, you might, and Sarah? You might also think why? that it's very <laughs> offensive if you don't understand that they are, in fact, parodying a lot of, like, movies from the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> it is also just at certain times very offensive. Yes, there, <laughs> so is, we'll some, talk about there is some language that did not age well. <laughs> yeah, there is definitely a lot of things that did not age well, but i um, still excited to talk about this film. Um, it was produced by J. Stephen Peace and John DiBello and was directed by John DiBello and was based on an original idea by Costa Dillon. The screenplay was written by Dillon, Peace, and DiBello and this spoof B-movie was made on a budget of less than $100,000. <laughs> oh my god, I'm not surprised <laughs> given the movie. Like 90% also, of their budget was the tomatoes that they probably had to um, I mean... We will get into it because the the fun facts at the end. I was like, dying. I can't like, wait. They are the funniest wait. I've ever, oh my, <laughs> I've ever found. Oh my god! I'm so excited. Um, the story involves tomatoes becoming sentient, and unbeknownst, <laughs> the story involves tomatoes. Oh my god. I'm so. No, I'm gonna laugh at the plot because it's so fucking bizarre. I can't you have to just you'll have to just play through it because I'm like The story involves tomatoes becoming sentient by unknown means and revolting against humanity. <laughs> um so if you did wanna know why they became sentient, that will not be answered. It will <laughs> not it's... be answered. Absolutely not. Um this film didn't do terribly at the box office surprisingly. I'm not surprised um, by the fa- by that fact because um this movie is perfect for like the stoner of the 70s. Yeah, that is actually very true. Um I mean it only made at the box office. But that is like almost six times the budget. Yeah, so it didn't make money. Fairly (laughs) successful. It didn't lose money. Um, So... What is interesting though is that it apparently did well enough because it actually had three sequels. all yeah. co-written by the original. I saw writers. that. <laughs> I mean, this is like this is like a tried and true like cult classic, like the definition of yes, a campy absolutely. cult movie. Like this is for sure it one million percent and i do have to say there is a pretty dedicated group of fans out there there was like a attack of the killer tomatoes like wiki fandom page so oh my god <laughs> i was dying i was like all right there you go oh my god i was like are they called tomato heads or like, what's their name? they should be they absolutely should be so i thought that was a fun little fact <laughs> uh So without further ado, we'll get on into the plot, which is, as I mentioned, chaotic and unhinged. We will talk about it, but, like, there's... Like, what is there to talk about? Like, it's just... It is just what it is. Nonsense. Yeah, it's nonsense, and there's no reason for any of the things that happen in the movie. None of it makes sense. We get zero explanations. It is just so bizarre. And it makes sense, because this was actually originally a student short that they just added padding to and made into a feature-length film. Yeah, so. I was I it it I was like thinking that it felt like something you would make for a film school project. That's what it and, looks like. And it was, <laughs> alas, <laughs> it was. Um. So the film opens with a scrolling, like, text thing. Um. That says, which is, by the way, I am Yes, I'm it's obsessed so good. And it begins by saying that when Alfred Hitchcock's film The Birds was released, audiences laughed at the notion of birds revolting against humanity, but when an attack perpetuated by the birds occurred in 1975, no one laughed. (laughs) This is followed by a pre credit sequence of a tomato rising out of a woman's garbage disposal. Her puzzlement then turns into terror as the tomato draws her into a corner. And following the credits, which are honestly hilarious to me, like, peak humor, IMO, like, them saying, like, advertising, like, a random furniture store saying, like, this space available. I don't know why, but that is, like, a weird sense of humor that just speaks to me. Like, it's so dumb, but it's so funny. (laughs) There there was, like, there are so many, like, random lines in the movie that were, like, really... Um, like, they were just thrown in there not to be caught, but, like, if you do catch them, they're so funny. Like, there's one line where, like, the military guy was like, oh, I'll see you at ten hundred hours, and I was just, like, dying. I thought it was so funny. I don't know why. <laughs> no, I mean, again, there are just moments of, like, flashes of brilliance in this film. Um, but the title sequence is probably one of my favorites. Yes. It is just campy, pulpy, Perfection, And I love it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so following this title sequence, um, we now see that the woman is, has been murdered and the police are investigating her death. One officer discovers that the red substance with which she is covered is not blood, but tomato juice. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So... Cut to a series of attacks perpetuated by tomatoes occurs. Um, (laughs) I'm going to list them because they're hilarious. Please do. A man dies by drinking tomato juice made from a killer tomato. We see a boy being gobbled up by a killer tomato. And there's a sequence that is definitely spoofing Jaws. Um, where tomatoes attack um, a group of innocent swimmers. It's so funny. I was so cr- good. it's just like exactly the scene in Jaws where it's just like her legs underwater, and then it's just a bunch of tomatoes like underneath her. It's so funny. It ma- again, none of it makes sense. No, and that's the point. Your best, okay? your best, like strategy in approaching this film is just to not have not have any questions about it just like go with the flow i feel like maybe this film and if you enjoy it should be like a litmus test of like whether you'd be like susceptible to join like a cult (laughs) (laughs) because i feel like what you just said is the only way to enjoy this film absolutely (laughs) absolutely I recently saw a TikTok where someone was talking about how they did a thesis on how Midsamar, which great film. Um, we will talk about it one day. Literally iconic. Um, but their thesis was that *Midsommar* is um, meant to sh- to like. Oh my god! How do they describe it, and why doesn't my brain work? Like, Determine. but basically, like the way that it's structured is like, to see if you would be in indo- indoctrinated into like a cult like if you're weird if that makes sense yeah. like if if you could I don't know it was very interesting and I feel like this film maybe is the same oh, or maybe if you believe in QAnon I don't know either that <laughs> or it's just like a high college student made it <laughs> that's like it or that too you know what you're right sometimes a cigar is just a cigar sometimes you know? a killer tomato is just a killer <laughs> it's just a killer just a killer tomato, tomato. <laughs> Oh, my God. Incredible. Um, so meanwhile, you might be thinking, you know, what is the government doing about this uh, clear uh, assault on the American people? Well, let me tell you, absolutely nothing, because the president's press sec- secretary, Jim Richardson, is trying to convince the public that no credible threat exists. Um, but meanwhile, the president has put together a team of specialists to stop the tomatoes led by a man named Mason Dixon. <laughs> Dixon's team includes Sam Smith, a disguise expert who is seen at various points dressed as, among other things, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, and uh, Black Adolf Hitler. There's also scuba diver Greg Colburn, Olympic swimmer Greta Attenbaum, and parachute-toting soldier Wilbur Finletter. But the way that they introduce these people are like, this is this disguise expert. This is the swimming expert. This is the underwater expert. What the it's fuck? so it's so weird. <laughs> Again, what are we watching? <laughs> Who oh came God, up with this? So funny. <laughs> Smith is sent to out to infiltrate the tomatoes at a campfire, eventually blowing his cover while eating a hot dog and asking if anyone could pass the ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> Greta and Colburn are sent to sectors, while Finletter stays with Mason. Meanwhile, the president sends Richardson to the fictitious ad agency Mindmakers, where executive Ted Swan spends huge amounts of money to develop virtually worthless ploys, including a bumper bumper sticker with STP for Stop Tomato Program on it. I love it. I mean, it's very, like, it's very accurate. It's great. (laughs) And what's funny is, and again, we'll talk about this in the analysis. I think that there's a lot of things that don't land. This was a direct reference, um, to a widely ridiculed, like to some widely ridiculed, um, campaigns from the nineteen seventies. So this would have like really resonated with audiences. It's just like, yeah, that that sounds about right. Yeah, (laughs) I think (laughs) there actually happened. I think there were a lot of parodies of like pop culture events and and things that were happening in the seventies in this movie and it's executed to perfection (laughs) it's so good a human is revealed to be also plotting um to stop Dixon when a masked assassin um attempts to shoot him but misses a senate subcommittee meeting is held where one secret pamphlet is leaked to a newspaper editor who sends lois fairchild on the story while she tells Finn Letter, he mistakes her for a spy and trashes a hotel room attempting to kill her. Also a hilarious scene. That scene was had me cracking up. <laughs> I was dying laughing. It's so Where funny. When she's it's screaming, like, running down the hall. I was cracking so up. So funny. Again, it's like, it's just dumb humor, but I love so it So stupid. Much. He then chases the assassin as the masked man fails again to kill Dixon, but loses him. Greta is killed, and further regression has led leaders to bring in tanks and soldiers to the West Coast in a battle that leaves the American forces in shambles. Dixon, walking among the rubble, sees a trail of tomato juice and decides to investigate. He ends up being chased by a killer tomato to an apartment where an oblivious child is listening to the radio. The child, or sorry, the tomato is about to kill Dixon. Um, The tomato is about to kill Dixon, but suddenly flies out the window. Dixon peers out to see if it has died, and he spots the assassin hijacking his car. He chases the assassin in a slow car chase, which, by the way, is like one of the funniest things I've ever seen. (laughs) Yeah, it's so funny. funny, I want to say, like, not like a parody, but clearly, like, Bullet was probably the most famous car chasing that, like, had been made up until that point, and this was just the exact opposite. Like, zero, adre- yeah, zero exactly. adrenaline was happening. Z- yeah, zero adrenaline. This is, like, all serotonin. Or no, what's the what's what's the one that makes you sleep? Melatonin? That's serotonin. Melatonin. melatonin. <laughs> it's 100% melatonin. 100%. Zero percent adrenaline. Zero adrenaline. <laughs> Eventually, Dixon is knocked out of his own car. Awakening, he finds himself captured by Richardson. Though he did not create the killer tomatoes, um, Richardson has discovered how to control them and plans to do so once civilization has collapsed, leaving him in control. He is about to reveal his secret of control to Dixon when Finletter charges in and runs him through with his sword. Dixon, so good. Again, so dumb. So funny. I love it. Um,. Dixon picking up some strewn records realizes that he has seen the tomatoes retreat at the sound of the song "Puberty Love," but had not put two and two together until now. (laughs) He orders Finletter to gather all the remaining people and bring them to the stadium. Finletter remarks that only the crazy people are left in the (laughs) deserted. (laughs) This part is so funny. It's so funny. Which results in a motley assortment of people in weird costumes ra- facing the attacking tomatoes at the stadium. It is probably one of the best the scenes. This scene of all time. is just chef's it's kiss. It's so fucking weird, but so funny. So weird. The tomatoes are cornered in the stadium and puberty love is played over the loudspeaker causing the tomatoes to shrink and allowing the people at the stadium to squash them by stomping on them. They do. They sure do stomp on those tomatoes. <laughs> Fairchild, meanwhile, is cornered by a giant tomato wearing earmuffs, uh, making it unable to hear the music. It's so <laughs> I was like, wait, what are those? And I was like, oh, it's earmuffs. <laughs> Me listening to Rich Girl by Hall and Oaks. Oh my God. I'll never live it down. Never. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my God. But fear not, because Dixon saves her by showing the tomato the sheet music to puberty <laughs> <the> love. <laughs> Afterwards, he professes her love to her. His love to her in song, which is hilarious because there was never anything between them the entire film. No, so this is very random. And I, I forgot to like when you said song. It reminded me to point out that this this movie has like multiple musical moments in it as well. It does. It does. <laughs> like music, like Broadway style musical, like rhythm, and it's yes. full blown songs that are like original songs written for the movie. For this film, I mean, beautiful It's so bizarre, but so funny. (laughs) Yes, thank you for pointing that out. I actually was not going to mention that. So um, it is a little bit jarring because, again, this film is very disjointed. (laughs) Yes, but it's perfect in every way. But it is perfect. And the film ends with a carrot that rises from the soil and says, all right, you guys, they're gone now. (laughs) The end. (laughs) <laughs> the fucking carrot at the end. I was cracking up. <laughs> so good. It is so funny. Well, before we dive into my analysis and thoughts, Sarah, I'm interested in your two cents and takes from this film. I think that I was, like, thinking about this movie in terms of, like, how we talk about our main kind of thread throughout this podcast— that is like the films that we watch and that are made are like made to reflect what American society is going through at the time and I think this movie is actually a really good example (laughs) of I think that this movie has, like, a lot to do with, like, the, like, political and, like, cultural unrest that's happening in the 70s in America at the time. And um, while it's, like, absolutely, like, high out of its mind, it's actually making, like, a really interesting point. (laughs) And, and, yeah, I think it's very disjointed and um, often can be, like, if you're not really paying attention, it, it can be kind of that very dry sense of humor where um not obviously not to like the intellectual level of like um Doctor Strange love but very like kind of slow at some points kind of like that movie but in a very very uh witty way if you're paying attention to it which makes the movie like really funny it's also a very short movie so it's like really easy to watch uh i i was like enjo- i was just entertained like thoroughly from start to finish so that's, that's kind of my two cents on it i think like it's hard to get away from um this idea that movies that are made are reflections of like society at the time and i think even this movie that seems to not really have a point actually does deal with those concepts a lot and i think it 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 kind of makes sense because it's clearly inspired by birds because it's like super irreverent and doesn't have like a conclusion or like a reason as to why everything happened and um kind of dealing with like the the themes that were going on in birds and kind of in the 60s it's the similar stuff that's going on in the 70s just a little bit more like out out there <laughs> but um yeah those that that's kind of my thoughts on it. I thought it was really funny <laughs> like, oh good a great movie. good <laughs> yeah and no, I think you touched on a lot of kind of what I was gonna cover I mean I think this film absolutely critiques the U.S. government and political systems There's a lot of fun made at kind of the fictional president in this film. And while this film was released during the time of Jimmy Carter, um, I think that this is definitely, um, poking fun at Gerald Ford. Um, there's that part where they say, um, that they're getting rid of the submarine base because of those, those funny little black ships just keep sinking anyway. And like, I feel like that's what you need to know about Gerald Ford. So yeah, I think that's definitely like a direct reference to kind of just the incompetency, kind of lack of understanding, and the impact that it had kind of on the American people. Well, I mean, and you totally are correct in saying that because I think the kind of like what a lot of people are feeling in the U.S. now the first time people had felt that way about not trusting the American government was with Watergate in modern American history, at least. That was the biggest, the the kind of the first time that the U.S. presidency was um, not really looked at as like something you can trust always and is like the leader and uh, that there is some, you know, a lot of corruption and, and flaws to the U.S. government and the presidency, whether or not, you know you agree politically there was like a lot of corruption going on with with nixon and um and watergate and i think that's that people that lived through that and um experienced that can would probably remember like while we didn't live through that we studied it and we're kind of living through a similar situation now it's it was um Gerald Ford wasn't really given the opportunity to like lead I mean he didn't do anything because he was the only president that had never been elected because he was appointed as vice president so And he he was totally incompetent. I mean, that's, like, the whole thing about his presidency. What people remember is that he was pretty incompetent and really didn't do much. And I think there was a lot of mistrust in the American government kind of for the first time um, in a different way than there had been in the past. And this movie definitely is, like, dealing with that concept. I mean, it totally makes a mockery of, like, how the U.S. government's just trying to, like, hush up all the, you know, potential scandals going on. So, Oh, absolutely. And also just... Yeah, doesn't have like any credible um experts working on anything. I mean, the lengths they go to to make fun of it is pretty incredible. Um, yeah, and I think that there's also one of my favorite parts is when the head of the intelligence agency makes a point that he doesn't need to check into the background of anyone involved with this like super top secret project. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it really is doing a lot, like, on a more domestic level, like, what Dr. Love was kind of trying to accomplish. Um, yeah, it's just a lot more blunt. Yeah. I think uh, Dr. Love is, like, a little bit more, like, coded. Oh, yeah. No, this like, is very bleeped. obvious. This doesn't have anything to do with that, but the point of just, like, how ridiculous all the experts were. The, there was just that one scene of Greta sitting by, like, a riverbank eating a box of steroids. <laughs> just just yes. dying like it was so funny again it's just like it's just silly like it's just silly silly humor um so that kind of leads to my analysis I think that there's a lot of things that aren't going to resonate with a younger audience like a lot of the jokes I think are pretty specific not a lot of them but a decent amount of them are pretty specific kind of to the time that this film comes from um so if you have like a more I don't know a decent background on like u.s history some of it might kind of make sense but there's some pretty obscure things in there too so i think i think that a lot of the jokes at least for me probably went like a little bit over my head i caught maybe 50 percent of them like if i think about it yeah i agree (laughs) Um, I i would definitely agree with that yeah and in addition to that there's some pretty like outdated racist sexist and homophobic uh like, language, pieces for in this sure. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Um, that just, like, I think they would have been really funny back in the day when that wasn't considered, like, a problematic, but now watching it, it is all very not okay. So it happens a few times, was... but it it's not, like, every other line, but it definitely is, no. like, a couple of times. Yeah, I think there's definitely... It's not one of those films that... um has gone completely, like, you know, can completely, like, pass the the test, you know. I think there's some films where, where I've been surprised by the lack of PC-ness, um, or there have been other films where I was like, wow, they were actually surprisingly respectful, (laughs) given, like, the time period that this came from. So, this is definitely not one of those. It has moments, but it's not a huge part of the film, um, kind of as these things tend not to be. So, Um, to be honest there is a lot to hate here Um, as I mentioned the plot can be described as chaotic at best the humor sometimes is just doesn't land Um, that being said I feel like this film walked so that the comedic genre could run in the future Um, and there's a lot of moments in this movie um I will list a few of them because they are so funny to me like the slow car chase the silly disguises the satirical public address notices which are just like the funniest thing ever to me the physical comedy like that one table scene where they're all like have it's like this big conference table in this they're tiny having room a and cabinet meeting so, like in a cabinet <laughs> it's in like, a cabinet it's it is so funny and, they, and they'll like have to climb over it I don't know why but that is like peak oh my god it was the physical humor in this movie is so so funny funny. that scene is just so (laughs) awkward but like it's so cringy it's so funny and then they all get seated and they're talking and then one guy arrives late he has to climb over everyone to like get to his seat it's just so funny i yeah i'm obsessed and my favorite one that I want to mention as well because we didn't talk about it earlier but I think it's like I don't know why like, this is just so funny to me but the song at the end when they like switch who's singing but it's clearly the wrong voice is just I don't it's just so funny to me like yeah I find it hilarious for such a disjointed movie like it, I think that this movie is, like, deliberately chaotic. Like, it's, it's, like, deliberately disjointed. I don't think it's because it's, like, poorly made. I think that there's actually a lot of attention to detail happening in this film. And it's just, it just might not have, like, worked as well as they wanted it to for, you know, kind of, like, a universally loved movie like to be like a universally loved movie but um it definitely is like a I think it's like a deliberate choice to like make it as chaotic (laughs) as I think so as well and like I do have to say too this is probably one of the lowest rated films we've ever watched and Casey wanted to know ratings for this film ranged (laughs) From a 9 out of 100 (laughs) to the highest I could find was a 4.6 out of 10 or a 46%. (laughs) Yeah definitely not gonna be a popular one with the critics I would think. No it's not and even with like general audiences it's like a so bad it's good kind of movie but even then it's like pretty specific. To... I would definitely, like, if you're the kind of person that likes Dr. Strangelove and likes Monty Python, I would recommend this movie. Like, you will get the sense of humor in this film. Yeah. No, 100%. I was gonna say Monty Python, I think, is, like, a good equivalent. They feel very similar to me. Um, and as someone who, like, loved Monty Python growing up, I think maybe that's why I love this movie so much. Well, I it's agree, and I think, like, I, I watched Monty Python with somebody it's i love that movie i think it's like one of the funniest movies ever made it's absolutely genius in my opinion but i was watching it with somebody and i get really like i don't know about you but when you watch a movie with someone that you've already seen the movie and it's their first time watching it i i become like very acutely aware of like how they feel about the movie because i get self-conscious that they don't like it and then we just have to like sit there for two hours and i watched the monty python with somebody Who found it like incredibly boring, which kind of like made me be aware of like how boring it actually can be if you do not understand the sense of humor. And I think this movie would be like, if you don't get how funny this movie is, like it could potentially be like a little boring because you're just like, what the fuck is going on? I agree. This film is definitely not for everyone. I wouldn't give this like a recommendation to basically anyone if what we described sounds appealing to you give this film a try but yeah this isn't one that I'm like this is required watching this is no it's not required specific. but it, if you're into like very weird niche like humor this is for sure something that you would enjoy Absolutely. Well, I feel like that um, kind of wraps up the analysis piece. Anything else you want to add? No, I think that was it. I'm really excited for your fun fact, though. Well, as am I. Starting off strong here... The song Puberty Love was sung by the then-teenaged Matt Cameron, who later became the drummer for Soundgarden, and then, since 1998, has been the drummer for Pearl Jam. So I he feel like that's really the most places. famous person associated with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and you wouldn't be wrong. We'll talk about it. Um, if you're wondering how they spent a hundred thousand dollars because it feels too low, but also too high. Yeah. Like where did they get that budget? Well, let me tell you, Sarah, because I don't know if you also thought this when you were watching, but remember when that helicopter burst into flames (laughs) and I was like, wow, how did they like have the ability to do that? Because that seems like that would cost a lot of money. Well, Sara, that actually was unintentional (laughs) and that was an actual accident that they recorded. (laughs) Wait, wait, you mean they just like happened to be recording in a random helicopter exploded? they no, they were filming for the movie when the the helicopter that they rented, oh the my god, accidentally hit the ground, causing it to spin out of control and debris in the top of the rotor blades like narrowly missed the crew oh and like police that were oh on scene and camera. <laughs> um luckily the pilot was okay and only sustained minor injuries they're like anything um, to get the shot <laughs> and after being pulled from the wreck um jack riley and george wilson ad-libbed the rest of the scene as the wreck was set on fire <laughs> oh my god i'm dying um, that is so funny cra- They had to pay for it, and the crash, the rented helicopter cost $60,000. So that was, like, a lot of their budget, then. That was 60% of their budget was that one scene with the unintentional helicopter accident. Oh, my God. That's (laughs) fucking hilarious. So with that being said, the rest of these fun facts should not surprise you, but I merely included them because I was like, this is just so perfect, and... Absolutely true. Um, the scene at the public water fountain was shot without a permit. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> Makes sense. The giant earmuffs that the giant tomato was wearing at the end were actually two big bright green toilet seat covers. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the army uniforms were purchased at Goodwill thrift stores. That does not surprise me. Um, This is maybe one of my favorites. The climax at the San Diego stadium was shot in a single day and all of the extras had to wear their own outfits. (laughs) They didn't even give them costumes. They were just like, bring a weird outfit to wear. They're like, we'll give you like some tomatoes for free if you like do this. They're like, only the weirdos have survived the tomato apocalypse dress accordingly. Oh my god. (laughs) What the fuck? And then my favorite fact, which, again, is just so funny to me because it's just so obvious. It blows obvious, my but... mind that there are, like, better <laughs> facts than the helicopter one, but, like, continue, please, because I'm so curious. I don't know if this will be better, but I just thought it was, like, the perfect way to sum up this uh, fun facts for, for this film is um, most of the cast had never appeared in a movie before, and most of them never acted again. <laughs> oh my god I mean not surprising in any way shape or form given the fact that I've never heard of literally anyone associated with this movie except for the drummer from Pearl Jam yeah exactly I was wondering if the director has ever been like reached out to recently or like in the past 20 years to just be like do you have any regrets (laughs) He would say no. He would say no. I, um, I want to do like a wild... Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Where are they now? Because he went on to write three he more. He did. He wrote three more. Um, there was one other person. I didn't know them, so that I didn't include it. I apologize. But there was one person who was literally an extra who ended up like having a career later kind of, but it wasn't anyone I had ever heard of. But what's interesting, I included it because I thought it was interesting, but it doesn't relate to this film, but... The sequel film, Return of the Killer Tomatoes, picks up the story 10 years later, and it's notable for the casting of George Clooney in one of his first film roles. So, Oh my god! There you go. So it becomes a little <laughs> more mainstream as they go along. I don't... No, oh, no, I actually not. haven't. I haven't seen the sequels, but um, I just feel I mean, like it's not like he was a star at that point. Well, I so... but the sequels wouldn't be for like a film school project. Like this movie looks like it was made for like a film school project <laughs> that like maybe got yeah. like a B plus. <laughs> I, I hope they got better. Um, I don't even want to watch. So. I just the first one is no. perfect. It's fine. It is. It is just a, in my opinion, a chef's kiss. Absolutely. Um, One final note, because I actually am interested in this. So there was supposed to be a reboot, I believe in 2005, but that ended up getting like, you know how Hollywood is. It just ended up getting canned. But in July of 2018, um, at San Diego Comic Con, they announced a reboot. Um, which began filming in July of 2019, and that's the last update they have. So I don't know, like, will we be getting a reboot of Attack of the Killer Tomatoes? It's been four <laughs> years, probably not. I would love to see an early 2000s version. I think it would arguably be worse than 70s version. I think it would be so much worse. Um, oh I'm God. glad that they didn't do it. I'm I'm scared dead. but also excited. I don't know. I feel like if they made one like now it would be like a proper slasher film, like a like a scary slasher film. Yeah. I could oh see God. it being kind of like um like Scream. Yeah. <laughs> like so campy but still like super funny. Like that's I feel like the vibe. They should have had in Fear Street like a tomato killer. <laughs> would have been amazing oh my god i just love how campy the tomatoes are they're either are like literally tomatoes or they're made out of like foam and paper mache yeah no in between no in between i don't want to see like a new new age version like we don't need no, like a cgi, it would a CGI like CGI tomato. tomato no i don't want to see that we don't want that nobody we asked we for want that. the camp we want the camp Anyways. we want the real tomatoes i it's the it's the like extra large tomato for me. Like the life the like human sized tomato. So good. With and the, the, the fucking weird noise. They mo- make. Oh my god. Why so do they funny. make that noise? Oh my god, the weird gurgly like noise. Yeah, the like chittering yeah, noise. Yeah, they're like, like I don't that know they're how else to describe like, it. evil munching. <laughs> yeah, it's honestly depraved but also perfect. E- <laughs> like the subtitles like eats and killer tomato. <laughs> oh my god. I wish that was in, like, you know how they have the subtitles where it's, like... It's just weird gurgling, but just, just eats and Killer Tomato. Oh, God. Overall, Incredible. though, I would give this a solid, like, 8.5 out of 10. Wow, that is very generous. I was gonna give it, like, a 6 out of 10, but, I mean, you know... for entertainment value, like, it, I was entertained for 90 minutes straight. Yeah, that's true. It was, I mean... It was a long ninety minutes, but like, I like it's it. bad. Like it's not a good movie, <laughs> but like it's I mean, so it cost, funny. Uh, it had a hundred thousand dollar budget, sixty thousand of which was used in like an accident. Half of a scene. An accident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, <Wow>. anyways, well, <laughs> good times. Good times. Well, great movie. Um, I would say leave this one up to the listener. Watch it if you want. <laughs> but we didn't... Have we not We have didn't we tell not persuaded you. you? Have we not piqued your interest? <laughs> well, thank you for that very poignant analysis on one of the most sophisticated movies we've ever talked about. <laughs> yeah, I mean... It was hard to just like unpack all of the complexity in this episode. It could have been a two-parter. The layers. The layers. <laughs> um sometimes a killer tomato is just a killer, killer tomato. tomato. <laughs> it's the best tagline ever. Well, thank you for that. And um great kind of like follow up on our start to spooky season. We're halfway halfway through. We've got two more movies to go. And as you can see, we're doing more of like the funny, spooky movies this year. Um, and so, yeah, that was a great one. We're going to kind of go back to some black and white, though. And next week, we... Are, I'm I only know this because I just looked it up. Apparently, we put this in the schedule. It's a funny movie, so I'm excited to talk about it. Anyway, back action. <laughs> um, Next week, join us as we talk about um, a classic that somebody actually... Uh, on our Instagram, DM'd us and requested, but we had already planned on doing it, so lucky, it's your lucky day. This one's for you. We're gonna be talking about Arsenic and Old Lace. Oh, I'm so excited. It is a really funny movie. It is, like, Screwball meets Halloween, so it's perfect. It's, like, Witches and Cary Grant, so it's it's a great movie, and I'm really excited about it. I can't wait. Um, a classic, uh, a classic movie with a lot of pratfalls in it, so... Uh join us next week when we talk about arsenic and old lace and also uh stay tuned for a maybe a mini sode in between. But who's to say? <laughs> <laughs> you know, not me. We'll find out. We'll find we'll out. We'll be surprised. <laughs> we'll have a We'll all be surprised together. <laughs> but until then, cheers. Cheers.